of this podcast and i'm here with my co-host uh and wife hannah hogan hello and hannah's brought it to my attention that i fidget with my microphone a lot and she said she was listening back to the podcast and it was very distracting and i just want to say um you know i've i imagine i've been doing that the entire time (laughs) so i'm sorry about that i had no idea that was going on um obviously not too distracting people have not brought it to my attention and they normally will bring things to my attention, but, um, you know, uh, but so I didn't know. So I'll try not to do it. I'm a bit of a fidgety person, so it will be hard, but I am aware of it and I will try to watch it. <laughs> so just fidget with your glasses. Yeah. Or your mustache or your hat. Well, I, yeah, I mean, of course, but I also, you know, I want to fidget with everything possible. Yeah. You want to adjust the mic. Yeah, I like to, I like to, you know, when I'm on stage, I like to switch the uh, mics from hand to, you know, I did some show, I did something, you know what it was, I was hosting my show at Zany's, and in between one of the comics, I left the microphone in the mic, and I did a few jokes, and I never do that, Mm. and I liked it, Mm. I thought, that's pretty fun. It is always kind of surreal when you change up your whole sh- stand-up stance. Yeah. You know, and it's been a um, stand-up for me. It's been a real transition to what I do. I mean, I mean, the first time I ever did stand-up, uh, I just kind of rocked back and forth. And I still do that to an extent. But that's what I did. I just kind of did that. And then... My friend told me a way to stand still is to hold um, the microphone stand, to put an arm, to rest an arm on the microphone stand. And I did that for a long time, and that did work. That did keep me still. But then I started to really fidget and play with the mic stand. I mean, I was almost, um, you know, practically dating the mic stand the way I was fidgeting with it. And, uh, so when I did my, I remember I did my first feature weekend in, uh, it was the comedy zone in Charlotte, North Carolina, my first official weekend as a feature, I feature for Josh blue and on my way out there, I mean, this is a big deal to me. This is my first weekend and I wanted to make a good impression because I was trying to be a professional working comedian. So I wanted my first feature weekend to be a smash hit. So I asked someone that that I respected at the time uh, if they had any last-minute advice for me on stage. And that person said to not touch the microphone stand. You know, oh, wow. don't, don't touch it. He said, just move that behind you when you get up on stage. And I said, okay. And so when I got up on stage, I moved the mic stand, and I didn't have it. And I didn't know what to do, really. My hand was all over the place. This was long before the wave, you know, probably in the days when Anne from the last podcast loved my comedy. You remember that? (laughs) She probably loved it. There was no wave back then. Mm. There was no we're having a good time. I just stood there. And a lot of times I would put my hand in my pocket 
which is also really weird. It doesn't look good to be on stage with your hand in your pocket. But I didn't know what to do with my hands. And the wave coming along really gave me something to do with my hand. But somehow I've gone from like having something to do with my hand to now like an explosion of fidgeting on stage. I'm not more nervous. I'm not even real. I'm, if anything, I'm less nervous now than I used to be uh, on stage. So I don't know where that's coming from. I'm a bit fidgety just in general in life. And I think that's what it is. I think now I'm on stage for an entire hour and I'm just standing there and the, the, you know, the inclination that I have to, um, putter around is, um, <laughs> is, it's like, my hands are like, let's do something, man. What are we doing up here? Yeah. You know? So I'm like, I gotta, and I do, it does really bother me if my glasses move just a little bit down my nose. It really bothers me to where I want it to get back up into that place. Uh, probably the only solution to that is contacts, uh, because I, I, I just can't stand it. And then, you know, I got all this dang hair and it'll get, you know, and I got a mustache and sometimes my mustache hairs and my nose hairs like to get together and hang out. They want to see what's going on. You know, my mustache <laughs> is like, oh, what's going on in there? And then my nose hair like, oh, we'd love to be on the outside. And they start intermingling. And, so they're fidgeting. Yeah. So they're fidgeting. But then it makes me, I got to like rub my nose a lot because I'm trying my best to like get those hairs separated and oh, that's why you rub your nose. I, it gets very itchy, and I, I see you doing that all the time. I never knew that's why you did it. It gets itchy, yeah. Mm-hmm. People think I'm doing drugs, and I'm like, yeah. no, I'm just, you know, I'm, my nose itches. Yeah. Um, that's why, you know, I had a joke about you know COVID in the very beginning that I would say uh, when I first heard that you know it it could be spread by touching your face. I was like, well, I'll be dead because I can't stop touching my face. <laughs> yeah. I love to touch my nose. You're a picker too. Yeah. You're a picker. Yeah. My cuticles get bad. My Around my fingers, they get real dry and I'll pick at them. I pick at my fingernails. You pick at my body. Yeah. Like you'll pick at bumps and whatever well, kind of crusty not, things on my body and I, I'll what, be like, get out of here. Well, I like, yeah. I mean- yeah, it's like scabs. I don't, you don't have like scabs, not but like, like, I'm not a scabby person, but you know, calluses or any kind of. Yeah. But when I was a kid, I would get scabs a lot because I would be, you know, I'd be rough out in the, you know, the trailer park. I'd be rough out there and I'd be wrecking my bike and four wheelers and stuff like that. And my, I was always getting skin up. So I'd always have scabs. It was always fun to pick a scab. Yeah. It's nasty. Yeah. I guess it is, but it was fun to do. I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I've come a long way. I mean, I'm, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm still kind of gross, but compared to being a just a rough, wild kid, I mean, I'm a lot cleaner than I used to be. Yeah, and uh, circling back to the to the fidgetiness. Now, you may be undiagnosed ADD, ADD, or maybe you know, I'm not built for the kind of work that I'm doing. You know, my, I come from a long line of farmers. You know, it's like if my grandfather were standing on stage uh every night and not getting to plow a field with his mule uh he might get a little fidgety too mm. so you think there's a wisdom in in the uh movement the natural movement of your body and it should just be guiding you to your uh vocation yeah i mean you know it's like if i were out on the road and i had somewhere to like get out in the yard and mess around a little bit 
at the hotel. Like if they just, you know, let me dig around out there or something. And what they, if they just kind of brought um, like a bucket of dirt to the green room <laughs> and you just kind of played around in the dirt before you went on stage? I wonder if that would uh, just kind of, you know, calm you. And then you hit the stage and you're just poised. Maybe I should suggest that they, my green room have plants for me to pot. <laughs> and they just, you know, I just plant some in between shows. I just plant some pots. You know pots what? Pots and plants. It, it might be a good idea for the green room. Yeah. Fresh air. You can kind of, instead of writing your name on on the wall, like a lot of comics do in green rooms, you can just leave a potted aloe plant. And that's your sort of signature. Yeah. I'd like to do a snake plant. You know, they say the snake plants are good to have in the bedroom because they don't need a lot of light. They don't need a lot of water and they turn carbon dioxide into oxygen. Like I guess all plants do that, but apparently they're like, they do it well. Yeah. And they don't need a lot of care. Mm-hmm. Um, we got one in here right now. Matter of fact. Yeah, we do. We got one. In our- we don't have animals inside here. And uh, I didn't have a lot of animals inside growing up, but here and there we would have some. And I just think about uh, air cleanliness now. When I go to someone's house, now sometimes you'll go to someone's house that's just ultra clean and they'll have animals and you won't even know it. But, you know, for the most part, you can walk in. And I don't even mean that people's houses are dirty, but you can walk in and they have animals and it can hit my nose in a way where... Um, where I feel like um, uh, I, I'm immediately like, oh, I, I'm not breathing as well now. Mm-hmm. And it could be an allergic reaction, an allergy of some kind. But I just think there is something to just good, clean oxygen. I agree, but it's a contentious issue because we are a dog-loving world now. Right. I mean, I'm not going to convince anybody to not do it, but I just... Whenever I go, I mean, all my relatives have animals inside. I don't know a single relative that I go visit that doesn't have an animal inside. And I'm always reminded when I go just how much I do enjoy just the clean air. I like plants. Uh, We had a cat for about three days, but it knocked up for some plants that I had and ate a bird. And I was like, I don't think so. I don't even know if we were doing a podcast at that time. So I don't think I was. Well, we had this cat kind of roamed up here in the backyard and we did not feed it i've always heard that if you feed it they'll stick around forever this cat just wandered up to us like it lived with us already and was like why are you not letting me back in and we were like get out of here and i even like looked up some things like they said cats hate citrus and i dumped like a lot of lemon all over the back porch didn't stop it uh, I sprayed I sprayed water in its direction. I didn't want to be mean to the cat. I wasn't trying to hit the cat, but I was trying to be like, listen, we don't want you around. We're not trying to be mean to you, but we don't want you around. And then eventually days went by and I fed it, but I fed it away from the house, like more towards the neighbors, hoping that maybe the cat would think it was that neighbor. I was like, go ahead and see what they're up to. <laughs> Yeah. And it would like, one night it like was jumping up and like looking at us through this one window, like a, not a, like a lower window. Like it jumped up in the kitchen window and it was starting to freak me out. But then my mom came up for a visit with one of her friends 
we were sitting around outside and my mom and her friend were like all petting the cat and they were like, oh, this is a beautiful cat. This is such a beautiful cat. You should just adopt this cat. So me and Hannah were like, all right, we'll do it. So we went to PetSmart. We bought a, a litter box and some food and some cat litter. And we were like, we're doing it. This is before Daisy. We were like, we're going to be cat owners. And we <laughs> let that cat in and we were so happy. We were petting it. We were like, oh man, this is so great. Oh, we got a cat now. I can't believe it. It's wonderful. Everything. Oh, life is great. I don't know what we did with it at night. I think we just left it out in the living room, didn't yeah. we? Mm-hmm. And it was so great. It was great. We were like, oh, this is, oh, this has just completed our life here. Oh, amazing. And then the next day, Hannah was gone doing something. I went to work. Oh, went to work. Yeah, this is back when Hannah had a job. Well, this was a long time ago. And uh, <laughs> and uh, the I was upstairs doing something. The cat was, for whatever reason, couldn't get up here. I don't know what we did, but couldn't get up here. And and then I go down and like so I have these like terracotta plant, uh, pots with like uh, different kind of plants in it. And it just knocked over a ton of those. And they were broke all over the floor. And I cleaned it all up. I got everything worked out. Everything was fine. And then the next day, and I, I got birdhouses. It was the same day. Oh, was it the same day? Yeah. Well, I got birdhouses and bird feeders. It's not my recollection that it was the same day, but either way. Yeah, it was. Because uh, you called me in a huff listing off these things. No, but the yeah, but I think the other thing happened the next day. All right. It doesn't matter. Maybe the bird thing even happened first. Maybe that was why it was the same day. Okay. This happened first because I knew it was the morning. We fed the cat. We gave the cat a big bowl of food. It ate all the food. Now I got bird houses and bird feeders in my backyard. I love the birds. And this cat ate all that food and then we let it out. It killed a bird and ate it. I only knew that it ate a bird because I saw the cat chewing and there was one bird foot laying on the porch. It ate the whole bird, even ate one of the feet. I mean, it crushed it. And and then it broke all the plants later that day. And I was like, all right, that's it. So we bought a a crate and we drove it five hours to my dad's house um, because he got a bunch of animals and he took the cat. And he loved it. It was just like his pride and joy. And then one day the cat ran away or got killed. We don't know what happened to it, but yeah. he had it for months. He loved it. It was a beautiful cat. It was a beautiful cat. But I don't like inside animals. When I was growing up, I had, um, you know, I had, uh, I used to do hamsters and I did mice for a while. I got into mice. I had mice on two separate occasions where I had, so many mice that you could just really just smell the mouse smell. Mm-hmm. And it is just filthy. And, but, you know, as an adult, from the time I left to go to Charleston, uh, I have never had an indoor animal. And well, I, I guess after the mice, you were like, I think I'm good. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just something changed in me at some point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I take that back. You know, my first roommate, Joey, when we moved to Charleston, he had a dog and a cat. And I lived with him a couple of times. So we had indoor cat and dog. Anyway, that conversation feels like it's over uh, about the smells. But I love clean air. That's my point. (laughs) 
even this, I'll tell you this, when I, I used to sell pesticides and I was always on the pesticide aisle and the smell never really bothered me. But now when I walk down it, I smell it and I'm like, I am bothered by it. And the chemical aisle in the grocery store or whatever, where, the, where all the cleaning supplies are, I hate that aisle. I don't like plug-ins now. I don't like aerosol, uh, like uh, Lysol or Febreze or or even um, um, uh, what are those things uh, that hang the car air freshener that you hang over the windshield. I don't like those artificial perfumes uh, that you smell. I cannot do it. Well, how do you feel about cologne and perfume? Well, I mean, perfume and cologne are nice. They smell good. Um, but it's just something about the artificial smells. I do like essential oils. I mean, I guess, you know, my, like I said last week, my, I'm coming into full hippie here and, uh, I do like an essential oil, patchouli, eucalyptus, lavender, big fan of those scents. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You won't even let me go down that grocery store aisle. With the detergents? Yeah, I don't like it. I don't think it's good for you. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's good to breathe that in. Mm. They say cleaning supplies. Somebody told me this. I don't know if it's true, but that, you know, using these cleaning supplies is worse than smoking cigarettes. Oh, good. You just breathe that. It's worse on your lungs than smoking cigarettes. Ooh, that's jarring news. It is jarring news. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, considering even if you don't use them in your own house, you're going into stores that use them, restaurants, other people's houses. <laughs> I mean, they're everywhere. I used to be big into incense. I liked mm. incense. Now I can't handle it either. I used to burn sage. Did you? Yeah. I used to be a little bit of a witch. When you were going to the fortune tellers? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know that this was who I was before I met you. I was listening uh, to Joe Diffie today in the car, and uh, I had Hannah. We were listening to Joe Diffie Greatest Hits, and I said, I said, I was so excited by it. And I go, dang, I am not listening to Joe Diffie in a long time. And Anna goes, she says, I'm good for a while. (laughs) I know I'm good for a while. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was so quick, though. She was so quick with it. I was because I was so excited. I'm like, I've not listened to Joe Diffie in a long time. She does. She said, I know I'm good for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing is I was we'd been listening to some Joe Diffie in the car and we were having it was a nice ride and it was fine. But sometimes I get to reflecting and you just looking around at your life and you're like, how did I get here? (laughs) Listening to Joe Diffie, because before I met you, I would say. I never listened to country music and I would probably be the person that would say, I hate country music. Yeah. And now my life every day, there's some sort of country song in my ears, even if it's just you singing it. Yeah. And so there we are. Well, that's true. And I have a Hank Williams Jr. uh, album on my phone, you know, and I don't know if other people go through this. I'm sure they do. But when you have... A few, like I have a few songs on my phone and I never really listen to them. I listen to Spotify, but they're just on there for whatever reason. Over the years, I've downloaded an album. So every time I plug a phone, hook up to Bluetooth or plug my phone into uh, the car, immediately, alphabetically, the first song uh, on the, on your, the, the, you know, whatever a song you have on your phone starts playing. And for me, it's this Hank Williams Jr. song. I ain't making no headlines here without you. A great song, but it starts with ain't. 
So I've heard that song at least the first 15 seconds of it about 10,000 times. Mm -hmm. And I've heard it enough, but Mm -hmm. I sing it a lot because it's always in my head. Well, something I like about you and I've always liked about you is you got a joy to you. So you'll just be singing every day in the house, getting in the shower, singing, getting out of the shower, coming out of the restroom, (laughs) coming out of the kitchen. You're just singing. And our daughter gets to hear her happy daddy. And yeah. I think that's lovely. Yeah, we like to sing. Well, yeah. you do. I don't, I'm not singing. Yeah. Well, I think you hate music to, to, a, to a degree. I don't hate music. <laughs> Who hates music? What an awful thing to say. It's not, I, don't, I hate music. I'm not being mean about it. I Just think you, because I like certain type of music that you don't like don't mean I hate music. No, but you've said yourself you were, you're like not into music. Well, I like listening to podcasts. Yeah. So I do like prefer a different kind of audio experience. Right. <laughs> um, I like to listen to the radio and like talk radio and NPR and stuff, but I don't hate music. I like music, but it's just, it's, I won't put it on every day for sure. No, I won't. Cause I hate it. Yeah. Right. That's what I mean. <laughs> Cause I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't hate music. I just like listening to talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hear people, I just want to hear people talk about stuff. Um, so that's great. I, I, I don't even, oh yeah, I don't know how we got on that, but I wanted to say that Joe Diffie thing because that made me laugh so much in the car. Um, I never met Joe Diffie. He passed in 2020. Mm-hmm. Joe Diffie did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. So this weekend where we've been, let, you know what? No, let's don't do that yet. Let's do some emails. Sure. Let's start with one. I got a few. This will be the longer one. I'll start with the longer one. And I'm not going to say where this person's from. And I'm going to try to not give other hints about who the person might be. No Protect one, their anonymity. Yes. No one would know, I don't think, unless they were in that town or scene with them. And they might be listening from that town or scene. Well, I hope so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why you got to protect his anonymity. I have friends there. Uh, hi, I'm a comedian from a place. Mm-hmm. I got about seven months under my belt so far. Uh, before comedy, I was a touring musician for about five years. First off, I got to say, love your work. And secondly, I want to reach out and say thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I came across your podcast on uh, Google search uh, for advice for new comics. Oh, I had no idea that was like that. That's perfect. It is helping a lot to help me get a lay of the land, so to speak. I'm a big fan of that saying, lay of the land. Like all newbies, I've had some great sets and some not so great. Never booed, but I have had marshmallows thrown at me, in parentheses, but they also did it when they were laughing at my joke, so not sure how to interpret that, LOL. Okay. Okay. Just thought you might have something. No. I've dealt with local darlings, so to speak. Uh, I am kind of an outcast in my area as I'm pretty much the only clean comedian in the area in a sea of dirt that is my hometown. I'm thinking that they mean it's just dirty. They're like a lot of filthiness, not not that, that the town is dirty. Yeah. And by clean, I mean PG-13 at the dirtiest. Most of my bits are about my family, homeschooling my kids, dealing with ADHD, and growing up in the 90s. My goal is just to be able to make someone's crappy day a, a bit better with some laughter. 
Lately, at open mics, I have been told by the locals that I need to dirty up my act in order to gain a following or get opportunities for work. I really don't want to do that because it's not me. It's not who I am. I almost feel like I'm spinning my wheels in this town. Any advice, uh, not on the podcast already on staying clean. Did you experience this roadblock as well? How did you manage to stay true to yourself? Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. I think this is an excellent one for you to speak on. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thank you, Hannah. Hannah stepped out of the room for a second. Um, um, so, uh, yeah, Hannah likes to leave like right as a question has been asked. And then, and then I have to do that. But I think this is a great email and I'm into it. Uh, I'll just start with this this one um, where, where someone says, uh, I have been told by the locals that I need to dirty up my act in order to gain a following or get opportunities for work. I would say, well, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe with the following, you know, people on the Internet are into real dirty stuff. But it's like you got comedians like, uh, you know, Jeff Foxworthy, Larry the Cable Guy, uh, even some more recent examples. You got Leanne Morgan. You got John Christ. Um, that gained these huge followings uh, by just being clean, by being clean and finding their audience. It's all about finding your audience. You know, Jeff Foxworthy and Larry the Cable Guy found a similar audience in just kind of the everyday blue collar man uh, or woman. Uh, Leanne Morgan, I, I feel, has found this audience of, you know, you know, middle-aged women that, that, maybe want some clean comedy and feel like there's no comedian speaking to them because it's like, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, especially older women comics for whatever reason, uh, tend to be very dirty. And so, uh, and then, uh, you know, John Chris found an audience in, you know, church going people. And it's like, you know, there's an audience out there for everyone. The, the key is to be patient with it and just work on your jokes and work on yourself. I mean, you say you're um, about seven months in. It's like, you know, that's really nothing. I mean, it's like depending on your uh, city, uh, you know, if you live in New York City, you live in L.A., you live in Chicago, I think Washington, D.C. is a good place. If you live in those cities in seven months – you could be getting up on stage two or three times a night, every night, working it out. If you're in a mid-level city or smaller city, uh, you're not going to get that kind of stage opportunity. Even in Nashville, it's like, I'm thinking you could probably do one spot a night, some nights multiple, but for the most part, probably one set a night and maybe not even every night of the week. So, um you know, it's going to take a long time to develop. Uh, so seven months is not a long time. I would say just, you know, the, the key to staying true to yourself is to just do that. I mean, to just do that same thing where it's like, just keep going. Um, you know, people, there's a chance, I don't know your comedy, but there's a chance that, um, you know, you're having more okay sets than great sets. And so people are saying you need to do this or that to really funny it up because that's what people do. 
Uh, not everyone. Some people are very funny and just like to cuss. I mean, I like to, I, I believe that people from like New York, uh, it's just like built in them to just cuss a lot. And I don't even think they realize that they're doing it or even think about it. But just as a Southerner myself, it was just always like cussing was a thing that you like notice. And I did it a bunch when I was younger. But anyway, um, all that to say, like, you know, if, if you're not doing great, they'll think, well, if you were cussing or you were saying this, it would get more laughs. And it probably would until you really learn how to work it. And, you know, and also if you're in an open mic and you want to cuss a little bit, do it. You don't you don't have to not do it. But if you don't want to, then don't do it. But just continue to work on your jokes and really pay attention to what you're doing and, you know, make sure you have an original stuff. Make sure you're not talking about stuff that everybody's talking about. And, you know, just keep just keep grinding it out because that's what it's all about. I mean, I did. Uh, now, I lived in an even smaller city than what you live in. And I know your city. I like it there. But the city I started in was even smaller than that. Um, and I was getting up maybe two times a week at our peak in Charleston, we were doing like three times a week. And that was like pretty great for us. You know, it, it to, in contrast, when I started featuring, I was doing four or five shows a weekend and doing about 30 minutes a show. And when I lived in Charleston, I was doing about 15 minutes a week on the best week. So I went from doing 15 minutes a week to two and a half hours a week when I started featuring. So just that amount of stage time makes you so much better. But yeah, you just got to stay in it. I mean, there's no more opportunities for work being clean. Uh, there's no more being dirty than there is being clean. I mean, there's way more opportunities when you're clean. In fact, I used to run into that. I was still, I was always pretty clean, but I would get like some offer to go do something locally in town and they would want it to be clean. And then I would find myself in a situation where I'm like, well, this is clean compared to the people around me, but actually clean, clean, I'm still having to clean it up. So it just forced me to want to clean it up even more so I don't have to do those things. Yeah. And I, I just think that people love to give out advice and it's just like, you know, at some point you just, you just got to keep building your material and then you'll have to move if you want to, you know, if you want to pursue comedy at a higher level, you'll have to move or go viral on the internet and, and gain a following instantly. But if you do the route that I did, you need to live somewhere where you can drive, you know, to get to other clubs fairly quickly. Because you're not going to be able to afford to fly unless you just have a lot of money already, but you're not going to be affording to fly off your comedy money. You may be rich. I don't know, but you're not going to um, be making money and flying. Well, you're not going to be motivated to to fly across the country for $400. Well, it's like, you know, when you're first starting, I out. mean, it'll cost you more than $400 to fly across the country. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You're not going to fly for, for the kind of money you're going to make as a host or a right. feature. So you'll want to, you'll want to drive. So you'll need to be somewhere where you can get that done. But even just the meantime, if you, if you never want to take it professionally, you just want to do it for fun, then, you know, just keep doing your thing. I mean, there's a book I recommended on that, uh, that, that, um, 10 episodes on becoming a comic. Um, I forget what the book is right now, but I did recommend it. And I also le recommend listening to, you know, more clean comedy albums and just seeing what they're doing. I also recommend not saying that you're clean. 
Uh, that's something that I like to do. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about being clean, but I don't advertise that I'm a clean comic. For one, I might not want to be clean one night. I mean, sometimes I got some material that would be a bit edgy for a clean comic, and I want to be able to do it. And you can't be on this podcast with me and say it's clean. Right, exactly. You never know what Hannah's going to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one album, just looking at uh, the Steve Martin album, Let's Get Small, uh, it's not clean, but it it, it is uh, fairly clean. And it even the uh, first Mitch Hedberg strategic grill locations, like he'll cuss a bit, but the, the, the cussing is not really part of the joke for the most part. He just, that's just what he does. And I think that those are great examples of just good joke writing. And that's what it's got to come down to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's helpful. I think I it think is. it's really helpful. All right. Um, and thank you for the email. You got another email? I got a, I got several. Oh, you got some feedback. Okay. Right. Okay. Last week we talked a little bit about Alan Jackson and I said that I never hear people say that their favorite country singer is Alan Jackson, right? Because you, you know, you always, and even I'm guilty of it where I'm like, there's so many great country singers. And if somebody asks me who my favorite is, I'll usually say Merle Haggard, right? Because I think truly my favorite is Hank Williams Jr., but if you say Hank Williams Jr., then they just think you're talking about family tradition and, uh, um, you know, the NFL theme song and, and Country Boy Can't Survive, which is probably the greatest of, of his. But it's like he has so many, he has such a so many albums, so many great songs. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, but this person says, hey, Dusty. As a lifelong country music fan, I love when you talk country music on your podcast and on Nate Land. My dad loves Alan Jackson the same way your mom loves Toby Keith. He was in his fan club and roped our whole family into loving him too. So when people ask me my favorite artist, my answer is always Alan Jackson. Uh, my first concert when, w- was his when I was in fourth grade. But I've been to so many over the years, I've lost count. We listened to his first Greatest Hits album on almost every family road trip for years. I actually became a, me- I actually became a member of the Country Music Hall of Fame Museum back in 2014 so my dad and I could buy pre-sale tickets to one of Alan Jackson's concerts there. My involvement as a member eventually led me to getting a job at the museum where I've worked for over five years, helping to coordinate live performances, interviews, and other programs that further the story of country music and often tie in with our current exhibits. Happy to hook you and the fam up with tickets anytime. Wow. We do love the Country Music Hall of Fame. We did go there one time with Mm -hmm. your dad and it was great. Uh, by the way, my dad cracked up watching your breakdown of It's 5 O'Clock Somewhere. So thank you for that email. That's great. That's a true Alan Jackson fan. It is. And that's a real American. I mean, I'm into it. I mean, because Alan Jackson is so great that it's like, but you just, you know, you never, um, you, know, you never hear people say, that's my favorite country singer. I don't, but I hate music. <laughs> right. So. Right. I'm not you know, tuned in. Yeah. But Alan Jackson, I mean, you know, though, we listened to that one album. Oh, yeah. Uh, it had Summertime Blues. and Yeah. Oh, that's just, I mean. 
I mean, we listened to it nonstop for a while. I mean, it was like. We have the CD is what we were listening to. Yeah. It's so good. I'm going to be a producer here and look it up. Yeah, look it up. Um, and you talk. But Alan Jackson, I mean, I just remember growing up. I mean, it was just hit after hit after hit from Alan Jackson when I was growing up. And uh, Chattahoochee. Man, that was such a big song. I mean, we were swimming in the Tallapoosa River, but we knew about the Chattahoochee. It's uh, Alan Jackson, Who I Am. Yeah. That's the album. Give us a few off the, read a few of the tracks to us. Summertime Blues. Yep. Living on Love. Living on Love. That's a good one. Hole in the Wall. Hole in the Wall. See, that's a deep track that's like, I don't know that that was ever a radio cut, but it's a great song. I've gone country. Gone country like, oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Let's stop this podcast and just listen to this. <laughs> I'm serious. Let's just stop what we're doing and just tune in to this. Who I am. Hit us with a couple more. You can't give up on love. Can't give up on love. I don't know that I know that one right now, but I remember listening to it. Can't do the phone. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. What else you got? Hit me with all of them. Um, I don't even know your name. Uh, oh, that was uh, when I was a kid. Jeff Foxworthy was in that video. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I was sitting in a roadhouse down on Highway 41. Mm -hmm. You were wiping off. Uh, anyway. Okay. Keep going. Oh, yeah. I don't. Uh, song for the life. Nah, I don't remember it, but. The, thank God for the radio. Okay. All American country boy. All right. I guess it really trails off. At yeah. The yeah. End. Yeah. Right, anyway, though, we listen to it all and it, I mean, they're great. I don't recognize all of them by name, but as you keep going, they, they just get, just gets Anyways, check out that album yeah. and then do yourself a favor and just enjoy life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. Here's another one. Hey, Dusty and Hannah, y'all's podcast is such a fun part of my day. It really feels like we are all just coming together for a hang each week and telling the kind of stories you would tell to your friends. I loved hearing y'all talk about living situations when y'all first started dating uh, of your living situations. I can't read. It reminds me of my husband when I first met him. When I came over to his apartment for the first time, his bed consisted of a used mattress he borrowed from a friend and a single blanket. Oh my I immediately took him to Walmart to buy some sheets and pillowcases. It's so funny to think back on, and I'm happy to report that we've had sheets ever since. Um, that's beautiful. Thank you for this. That's beautiful. Um, well, you know what? That th that's the thing about me is I might have slept on the same mattress for 10 years, but I was always a sheets guy. I needed some sheets and some blankets on that thing. I, I mean, think that's why we connected because I like sheets too. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I... I never, I had friends that you would go to their house and it was just a mattress they were sleeping on with a blanket and I never could do it. I'm like, oh no, I can't be a bare mattress person. <laughs> I mean, that's such a red flag. If you go into someone's house or room and they only, they don't have any sheets. I mean, that's, that's, even, that's mental illness. Even when I was in the trailer park alone doing the kind of substances that I shouldn't have been doing. I still had sheets. Yeah, and you know the, the 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 etiquette or whatever you got the customs that you have to go to bed. We also like a wind machine. We like a sound. A fan. 
a fan called wind machine. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. I like that soft sound. Yeah, I do too. I have a hard time sometimes in hotels. I had a little noisemaker for a while. I got to get it going again. Mm-hmm. But it is something when you sleep with that fan every night and then you go to a hotel and you hear like every little creak happening the whole night. Yeah. I'll do the earplug sometimes too. And then, uh, but yeah, there's a, yeah, I can't do, um, I can't do, now even drunk, I still want a sheets, even though they might not get washed all the time. Let's I be still, honest. Who doesn't want sheets? There's people who don't want sheets. I don't know if they don't want them, but they just, what for whatever reason, that's not a high priority for them. Okay. You know? Yeah. Okay. I've always been a sheet guy. Okay. And I got a little snobbier with my sheets even before I had made any money. I mean, I was spending money on thread counts even when I wasn't really making any money. But once you go and you pay attention to thread count and buy some sheets with that, there's no going back. Yeah. Yeah, because sheets can, you hold on to them for a long time. So even if you spend, you know, a little bit of money on sheets, you you should be able to have those sheets for a while. Yeah. You can't get these $20 sheets out here. No, no, you can't. I mean, when you stay in a hotel and they got real cheap sheets, it's like, oh, come on, guys. And don't give your guests, if you have a guest room and a bed, don't give your guests the the bad thread count either. Have respect for your guests. They'll feel the difference. They will feel the difference. If we had a sponsor for sheets, this would be a great time to throw it in, but Mm -hmm. we don't. All right. So uh, I don't want a sponsor either. I like that we don't have any sponsors. I want. I want a sponsor and I want a Patreon. (laughs) But I I like it. I like things being free. And I've been listening to some stuff on iTunes and there have been ads popping up for for the podcast that we don't. That, that they don't put on there. They're just kind of coming on. So if you hear ads during my podcast, that ain't me. I yeah. don't know what's happening. Uh, here we go. This is, oh, I got two more. I'm with you on the windshield wipers on a dry windshield annoyance. The lack of self, self-awareness of people is astounding. <laughs> Okay. And then also, just as a side note, they said, also got a dirt bike. I'm having a good time. Love your comedy. Ready for a new special. Here's some hand emojis for Ann Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Ann, who hates the wave. Yeah, Ann. All right. Here's this. I'm going to read this name because he put it in there. And uh, and he also, this is a good opportunity. This is Abe from Wisconsin. Hulk Hogan alarm clock guy. The Hulk Hogan alarm clock that I got came from Abe from Wisconsin. Um, it's a cute alarm clock. I like looking at it. It is a good one. I when like when looking we get, at it. We're, get, we're getting a podcast studio built in the house. And when that gets complete, I'm going to have the, the Hulk Hogan alarm clock in there somewhere. Oh, really? I like looking at it because it's in our room. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. That's it's, it Other people here. deserve to look at it too. This person said, I grew up in the country. Well, this person, Abe, I grew up in the country and we only had antenna TV. So the Olympics were a big deal for us. We'd watch as much as we could. I was also a teenager during the 1996 Atlanta games. And so I clearly remember clear. It's funny how I said I stumbled on the word clearly, clearly remember Dominic Mucciano's performance to Charlie Daniel's song and Carrie Strug's vault. That Olympics were a lot of fun, and it was such a flashback to hear you mention it on the podcast. Michael Johnson on the track was also a highlight, but the gymnastics team was something else. Michael Johnson was a big deal, and uh, I like that too. 
but but somehow though, I think it, I think part of it for me was that I was probably about the same age as most of those girls at that time. So I probably had a little bit of a crush on all of them as a, you know, I was what, 14. So I probably had a little bit of a crush on all of them and it was the Olympics and they were winning and it was just a big deal. And it was the nineties in America, like, you know, before nine 11, it's like, everybody was just like cool with being American pretty much. I'm not going to speak for all of America. Oh, he also went on to say, he said, um, my wife is from California, so I also enjoy hearing your wife talk about life in Canada compared to Tennessee or Alabama because his wife moved from California to Wisconsin, and that's some fun stuff. Yeah, we have some cultural differences. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is fun. I'm trying, I've done pretty good not touching the microphone. You've here. done well. I've touched it some, but I have, I feel like I've done pretty well, um, and um, so- that's fun. It's fun to read those emails. Thank you for sending those. We got a lot last week. We just had a real, I felt like we had a real riffing kind of podcast and it was great. And I want to talk about, uh, I'm going to Denver, Colorado to Comedy Works this weekend, downtown. I've never been to the one downtown. So I'd love to sell all those out uh, because that'd just be exciting to do. Uh, and uh, so the shows would be hot, but I hear that's one of the best clubs in the country. I've never done it. I've done Comedy Works South, but never done the one downtown. So that's exciting. So come see me there. Last weekend, I just had one show. I went to a town called Petoskey, Michigan. And uh, so I planned to fly up to Petoskey. Well, to fly to Traverse City. And when you're flying any almost anywhere from Nashville, you have to connect. So I left here. I woke up at 3.30 a.m. Uh, Left for the airport at four, um, got there, got on my plane by 5.30. I was on my plane and um, I flew to Chicago. Apparently there was a lot of snow happening. I landed in Chicago. I go to my next gate. I get on the next plane from Chicago to Traverse City. No one mentions anything about a storm. No one mentions anything about a delay. We just get on. I end up, and my management was a little concerned that I wouldn't make it because of the snowstorm, but no one had mentioned anything. So I got on the plane. I'm sitting there. I'm buckled in. I text my management. I say, hey, everything looks good. I'm sitting on the plane right now. And then all of a sudden, here comes the pilot. He's like, hey, listen, there's a snowstorm in Traverse City. We're going to have to delay this for about three hours. Traverse City, if you don't know, and Petoskey is on the, it's in northern Michigan. Michigan is basically comprised of two states, in my opinion. There's Upper Peninsula, Michigan. There's Lower Michigan. And Lower Michigan, uh, this was the northern part of Lower Michigan, uh, very close to one of the giant lakes, Lake Michigan. And so they said, we're going to delay the flight for three hours. So that's a big deal because once I get to Traverse City, I have to get in a car and drive for an hour and a half to Petoskey. So now I'm running low on time. So I asked the girl at the front, at the, at the ticket counter, I say, Hey, is there a flight to Grand Rapids leaving anytime soon? Because I knew that the feature, Adam Deggy, was from Grand Rapids and he was going to be driving up. So I could just get in the car with him. And she said, no, there's no flight until one. So I left and then I went and asked a different person. 
And I think this is a great life lesson because people will harass you. If you go up to, if you walk up to the elevator and there's other people there and you push the button, they'll act like, oh, you got to push the button too. Our button push isn't good enough. Or if you go to a crosswalk and there's people waiting at the crosswalk to cross and you push the walk button, they'll act like, oh, this guy's got to push it too. And it's like, always push it. Always push your button yourself. Don't, because they might not have pushed it good enough. I don't know what they're doing. I've been in line before in a gas station and I stood there for a while behind a guy. And that guy, for some reason, just got in this line and there was no one in that bathroom. We were waiting in line for nothing because for whatever reason, this guy thought someone was in there. Always push it. Always check it. Always check it. So I checked with someone else and they go, oh, yeah, there's another flight leaving from Grand Rapids in 30 minutes. And I go, great. Can I get on it? They put me on it. They got my bag changed over to it. I go down. I walk down. I check in with them. I go, hey, this is not an official ticket, but I'd like to, you know, try to go ahead and get on this plane. And they were like, well, we got a weight limit issue right now. So unless someone volunteers to get off this plane, you're not going to be able to get on. And I go, okay, well, great. So I just stand around and wait and wait and wait. And I go, and then I finally went back up and I go, so I'm probably not going to get on here then. I should just go ahead and try to get back on the other flight. And they go, no, just hold on a second. And then they got me on. So then I I flew to Grand Rapids. So I flew from Nashville to Chicago, from Chicago to Grand Rapids. And then I got in the car with Adam, a comedian that I had never met, by the way. Um, uh, So he was kind enough to drive me, even though we didn't even know each other. So he picked me up in Grand Rapids. And then we drove for three and a half hours into Petoskey uh, and as you were driving, the further north you got into Michigan, the less you could see the road. It would be full on paved, a little frost here and there, all of a sudden more snow. And then as you get on up into Traverse City and Petoskey, the road is just completely covered with snow. Uh, We stopped at a pizza place on the way. uh, And it's just fun to stop in. a. I love Michigan. I love states like that where you're just like, out in the middle of nowhere and you just pull up in this small town. We ate at this pizza place and it was not that good. Uh, but it was like, like it felt right, you know? Yeah. It was not that good, but I ate most of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you Cause know. you needed substance amongst the winter storm. Yeah. And then we sat by the window and just looked out at all the snow and just everybody had trucks and we were in a car And then we get on up there, we make it to Petoskey, we check into this very nice hotel, a hotel called like the Wall, Wallwood or Walloon, like balloon, but with a W, the Walloon Hotel. And they had a fireplace in there and people, people that were staying at the hotel were just sitting around the fire, reading books, and they had treats out, pastries and cakes and coffees. And it was just great, but I had about two hours. So I went up. Uh, got into the room. The room was very nice. They had a bathtub in there. I made myself a bath, dropped a little bath bomb in there that I had in my bag. I laid in the tub, fell asleep twice in the bathtub. Uh, no, I don't, I don't like that part of that story. And it was great. There was, you know, there was not enough water in there to drown if you were sleeping face down. Um, but 
So then I, so I took a short little nap and I got out. Then I got in the bed, took another little nap. Uh, and then it was time to get in the car, drive down to the venue. Uh, we had a great show. It was a, really a lot of fun. And then we got right back in the car, drove back to the hotel. I went to sleep. The next, I got up at 4 a.m. Eastern time, but 3 a.m. Central time and got Drove an hour and 20 minutes down to Traverse City, got on a plane, flew to Chicago, then flew home, and just a wild turnaround. Amazing how far you're able to travel, how uh, just that whole adventure of that thing was just... A lot of lessons. One lesson is always push it. Always make it happen. And another lesson is never fall asleep in the bathtub. I got to disagree with that second one because... I slept so good in there. That's how we lost Aaron Carter. Is it? I and, bet he was on drugs, though. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I was not on drugs. So I, I, you know, I fell asleep. But, I mean, I, you know, I fall asleep on a plane sometimes. I've gotten a little better about being able to sleep on a plane. But I wake up. I Somehow, I don't think I snore laying down. I may snore occasionally. Everybody snores once in a while. But... If I'm sleeping, sitting up, I always snore. Okay. And I wake myself up. Just please don't sleep in the bath. <laughs> All right. I mean, uh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't I mean, do it. I just don't think that's the whole story with Aaron Carter. Well. It's tragic either way, but I don't think that's the whole story. Well, I just worry about you. Well, thank you, but <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I think in your mind, you have like a jacuzzi tub pictured. I mean, I couldn't even lay the length of my body in there, and they have that drain. I hate the drain on these tubs. They'll have like where it only allows the water to get so high in the tub before it starts to drain out. So where if you try to get more of your body in the tub, it raises the water level and then it just drains out. I hate it. I don't know why we're doing that. Well, it's a I safety mean, precaution. I'm sure it is. I'm sure there's a good reason behind it. But um, so, but, but, I, but I made it home and that show was really fun. I enjoyed that. How yeah. does it feel to switch back and forth from you know, springtime in Tennessee feeling to just cold blizzard in Michigan well, and then it, just like do it in a day. In a way with it in a day, it was very weird, but I enjoyed it a lot because, you know, I got to see a little cold. I got to see some snow. Um, but then I, I left uh, Nashville with 70 degrees, flew up into the cold, got to see a little snow. I was like, this is pretty cool. And then I just flew right back home into the sunshine. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you're like a time traveler. I mean, what's hard for me is the uh, time zone changes. Like when I, if I go to, you know, if I fly to California and do a weekend of three nights and then fly home, it's like by the time I'm adjusting to the one time zone, I got to fly back and get into another one. And that, uh, that. Well, all of the travel is hard for me. I mean, let's be honest, we're, you know, three days after you coming back from Michigan, and I think you're still a little sleep deprived and a little wonky from all that traveling on the weekend. Well, I think so too. This, this, actually, the last two trips I made, the one out to California that I made um, when I did that casino uh, two weeks ago, and then this one was uh, just more rigorous than my normal. Anytime I got to fly twice and then drive, that's too much. I don't like that. That's why I like to pick you up from the airport. Yeah. So that last little bit of getting home is just filled with love. Exactly. Yeah, it is fun. 
Yeah, I get to see you and my baby. Get to get in the back seat. Always so happy to see you. Yeah, she's excited. It's a fun ride. Kicking her feet. Yeah, daddy. Yeah, it's a good time. And my dad just came to visit. My dad and my stepmom came up to visit for a couple of days. We had a lot of fun. We took them out to the cabin. My dad had not seen it yet, and uh, it was a lot of fun. My dad really liked it. I had a call that I did with uh, Jeff Foxworthy and Leanne Morgan. Some of those videos will come out. But I had a call to do do that with them, talk to them a little bit about a show we're doing in May in Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, I had my dad come up because my dad said he watches Leanne Morgan and he's been a you know a lifelong fan of Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, and uh, so, well, not li- not his lifelong, my lifelong. Um, so... I got my dad to come up and talk to them a little bit on the on the call. And now your dad talked to Leanne and Jeff Foxworthy, and now he can go d- back down to his small town, and your dad can just brag yeah. to his to his friends at his coffee shop. Yeah, about how f- his son is famous. Yeah, but I just think he loves these little stories of yours. Uh, yeah, and, and now he's a part of it, and he can say, "Well, I was up at my son's house, and I talked to Jeff Foxworthy on the phone." <laughs> yeah, Your dad's I, got such a Southern Alabama yeah, accent; this, I couldn't even the, imitate it. I think that's the worst you've ever done trying to imitate it. But uh, oh, it's so rich and colloquial. Um. So that's been a lot of fun. That's what we've been up to. And uh, let's see. I took a couple of notes here, but I wanted to. I didn't get, I got a little feedback, I guess, from the Alan Jack, well, from the country stuff, but I, um, you got any hate mail you'd like to share? I don't think I got any hate mail this time around. What? No, I don't get a lot of hate mail. I mean, I get people. Or uh, just like a hate comment. I didn't see any. Wow. I haven't seen any bad comments. So. Wow. Okay. Well, let's not ju- that I expect it, but you, you find it and then you draw attention to it. Yeah, I mean, I just got a comment. I was hoping maybe it was bad just so I could read it, but um, it's very positive. Okay. Well, that's amazing. Praise God. Yeah. So I did talk about, you know, meeting country singers last week, and I I didn't get to complete all my lists, so I just thought maybe I would complete the list. Oh, I will say, someone asked me like a Bible thing about about my thoughts on on Proverbs. I don't know when... uh, I don't know who that was or when that was, but somebody asked me about that. So today I read like the first four chapters of Proverbs and it's great. But what I gathered was that Solomon is saying, uh, follow the commandments of God and there you find wisdom and wisdom is better than all the riches. And I just think it's true. I think it's true. I think through wisdom comes perspective. And, you know, we all want money. We all want money just because it makes life easier. But through wisdom comes perspective. And, um, you know, when when you're not expecting to get things, when you're not expecting this and that, uh, I think life is a lot better. I think life is better when when you live simply and you live within your means. You know, it's like, uh, there's many ways. It's like when you make money, it's like you're almost like, uh, well, I, 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 it would like like as far as hiring people to do things for you. It's like I would rather pay someone to do this because I'm physically out of time. But when you have a lot of time and you don't have a lot of money, it's fun to do those things. It's fun to do things for yourself uh, because, you know, one, you don't have the money to pay anybody. And uh, a lot of times you have time. I mean, I know when I was broke, 
I had a lot of time, you know, and when I have money, I have less time because usually I'm spending time making money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, but when yeah, I, I went in 2012, when I quit drinking, sold my car and was riding a bike everywhere, had a lot of free time because yeah. I suddenly had no bills and it was the freest I've ever felt in my life. It was just a, an amazing feeling, but hard to maintain because at some point you got to get things like we bought a house and we had, you know, uh, uh, more bedrooms than than we needed, but we were looking for a little space. We had some ideas. We'd both been apartment dwellers for a long time, and we we wanted a little space. And now, uh, you know, we're 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 creating a family here, and uh, suddenly our rooms are being gobbled up. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, so now we're remodeling a loft in the in the house that's fairly useless to us, and we're turning it into a podcast room. But I just think, I mean, I think, I mean, Proverbs, Psalms, I mean, they're doing nothing but talking about following commandments. And I just think, it, you know, and they talk about the fear of the Lord, having the fear of the Lord. And it's like, I think so much of it is a lot of times we kind of look um, to Christianity uh, in the New Testament sense of, you know, I, I took a class one time on discipleship training where they're trying to teach people to create disciples the way that Jesus would have created disciples. And it was a big push on that. And I do think that's important, but I think that a lot of, you know, Christianity is working on yourself, becoming the best person that you can become. And I think the the best way we do that is finding out, well, what does God say makes us good? You know, what, what does he say helps us? So, yeah, what I don't does know. God say sin is? Because right, it's kind of it's hard to know if you're. I mean, if you think you're doing good, you could just be arrogant or self righteous, or you know, right. But, but if you're if it, if you're pretty clear on what sin is, then you should pray that you, God would convict you and then adjust accordingly. Because I always thought this. I always had this thought. Like, think about Noah and the flood, right? I always thought about this. I mean, I know a lot of people believe that this is not true and that it didn't really happen, but I believe it did. And let's say for this sake of this conversation, we all believe it did. So imagine you and your wife and your three sons and their wives, you're like building a, God has come to you and said, I'm going to flood the earth, build a boat, right? So you start building a boat. And at this time, people were living for hundreds of years. So you know, imagine you don't travel, you don't have much of a way around. So you've lived in the same hometown for two, 300 years. I don't know how old Noah was at this point. So you know a lot of people. And God has told you to build a boat because he's going to flood the world. And everybody just comes around making fun of you all the time. They're all harassing you about building this boat. They're calling you stupid and you build the boat. And then the rains come. And you and your family and all the animals get into the boat. All the animals, they say, you know, interesting to note uh, in the, and when you're reading that, we've all heard two by two by two, but it says he took uh, by sevens, all clean animals and by two, all unclean animals. And this would have been before God gave those commands to Moses in the desert. So somehow, even before God had given the commands, even Noah knew the difference between clean and unclean animals. And But imagine you get on this boat, you close it up, the rains come, the floods come, and suddenly your boat is floating and you're crashing through the water. And then one day it all settles out 
and you walk out onto your deck with a cup of coffee, just looking out and you go, dang, you know, you just got to told you so. Yeah. You got to feel good. Right. And I said that to my sister and she said, well, no, Noah wouldn't do that because that would have been prideful. And I just, I think you're right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like to your, if you think you're doing the right thing, then you're probably, you got an ego or you're, you're too prideful about it. Well, that's what I was going to ask you as you were talking about what the scripture said in Proverbs about, you know, follow my commandments and you, and, and you will, she'll receive wisdom and that's better than money. Right. I'm paraphrasing. This is a real summary on my part too. Yes. But the idea is that wisdom is, is what you want. Right. Right. So my question is, how do you know if you're, if you have wisdom? Well, I don't know if you know, I don't think that you do know. I mean, you know, maybe, I mean, maybe you can know that you have some wisdom, but I think, you know, a lot of people calling themselves wise out here, maybe not be, you know, they may not be wise, but, you know, I think in a lot of ways, you know, I was in in my early twenties, I was reading Proverbs and Ecclesiastes a lot. And those are both written by Solomon for the most part. And it's all, it's the books of wisdom, you know, and I would read those and I, I admired that uh, Solomon had prayed for wisdom. And so that's what I started to do was to pray for wisdom. And then little did I know at that time, I was about to enter into a world of drinking, which made me about as unwise as possible. Um, and then when I finally quit drinking, you know, let's say eight years later, um, I, I felt like I wised up pretty fast. So it's almost like I, uh, I don't know, either I was led down this path, uh, to come out on the other end, knowing more things that I knew going in or, uh, God withheld it from me until I cleaned up my act, you know? Yeah. And if Solomon's writing about wisdom and things, you know, to follow, to be wise, I mean, obviously Solomon was human and he made a lot of mistakes, Solomon. And so I guess I'm just saying like, just because you're wise doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Solomon ultimately, um, you know, you know, died kind of disgracefully. I mean, he was, uh, you know, he um, started, uh, you know, he had a lot of wives and a lot of concubines and he was, you know apparently marrying women of other from other countries and of other religions and then he began to take on their religions and build statues and altars to their gods which you know and ultimately uh took him down and, well was solomon the one that killed a man so that he could have his wife or was no, that, that david? was david okay that yeah. was his son it was yeah it was david solomon is david's son Oh, Solomon is David's son. Yeah, okay. and 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 you know, so he's da- the product of a. Of well, a- David had lots of sons, uh-huh. but David saw this woman Bathsheba uh, bathing, uh, sunbathing, and he was attracted to her, and he had her come up, and they had sex, and he David had guilt about it, and wanted. Um, so he had her husband, who was a faithful servant of his in the army. He had him sent to the front lines of a battle and then told the other guards to pull back so that he would be killed in battle so that he could have um, 
you know, and, and if I'm remembering this all correctly, so that he could have her basically mm-hmm. and cover his tracks and not have people know that he took this man's wife. Yeah. So he had a baby with her and that baby died. Um, and that was, you know, basically David's punishment for, you know, killing that man. Killing this innocent man. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then their next son was Solomon. Okay. 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 But he had lots of sons before then. So I think there was even some contention and stuff that, um, you know, Solomon would become the king and as opposed to one of David's other sons. Okay. I wish I was able to remember and sort out all the different people and characters better. But yeah, I mean, all that stuff's very interesting. But so they, so Solomon became king very young. And when God asked him, he said, because your, your father David was faithful to me, I'll give you whatever you want. And Solomon asked for wisdom as opposed to riches mm-hmm. and power. So God gave him all of those things. Yeah. Seek first the kingdom. Yeah. So it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, maybe we won't do any of the country music thing, things. Um, I got a few more. But, you know, we, we ended up launching into a little bit of a Bible talk thing. And, Which is uh, a fan favorite. I know that. <laughs> well, if you read uh, the podcast comments. It is for some. Yeah. Um, uh, I just was saying, I still think about that comment. I, don't, I think I read it on here where that guy got mad at me about talking about mask long after. He's like, I, I think we're done arguing about that now. And it's like, we are done arguing about it. But I still see people with them on. For the most part, it doesn't bother me. I don't care what people do. But I do think this. I do think that we've basically been told at this point that they don't really do anything for us. So I think when people are wearing them, it's just a constant reminder of what we all went through for the last three years. And I think, you know, as long as they hang around on anybody's face, we're all reminded of COVID. We already know that the masks don't really do anything And it's like, they're basically gone everywhere. But every time I see one, I'm just reminded of this, you know, kind of whirlwind that we've all been through. And I think it's going to be hard to completely move on until all those things are gone. Yeah. But, you You know, know? maybe some people, like, you just never know why a person's wearing it. Right. But I I know. But I mean, when you, when you read, when you find out that they don't do anything for you, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, what are we doing here? Some people just need that pansia. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what that means, but yeah. Um, but yeah, this has been great. I've had a great time here. Oh, me too, Dusty. Always All a right. pleasure. Okay, well, thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate you guys. We're having a good time. Mm-hmm.